I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. to the newest episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich DeCray. I'm Matt Hofeld. We're glad that you are here with us, picking us up on iTunes, picking us up on Spotify, iHeartRadio. It's not iTunes. Anymore. I still say iTunes, and it hasn't been iTunes. It's in a, Apple Podcast. Yeah, it hasn't been iTunes in a long time, but whatever. Um, we're glad you're here. A little bit of breaking news as we're starting this podcast. We'll jump in here with this. Jalen Hurts named a Big 12 Male Athlete of the Year. Did you know about that, Rich? I didn't heading into this. Yeah, so that's pretty cool because it was the third consecutive year an Oklahoma quarterback has been named Big 12 Athlete of the Year. And you also get, got you have to give a hat tip to Maggie Nichols, who was named the Female Athlete of the Year. And that's the second time in three years she's won that award. She won it the 2017-2018 uh, year and then 2019-2020. So kudos to Maggie Nichols, two-time Big 12 Female Athlete of the Year. Jalen Hurts jumps in line with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Third consecutive year the Sooners have had the award. It's a, a pretty big accomplishment for the university in and of itself. I, I don't know that that has ever happened in any conference, but here we sit with the Oklahoma Sooners and the success that they've had under Lincoln Riley, as well as the gymnastics program. You talk about one of the most dominant forces (laughs) in terms of sports on the face of planet Earth. You've got to consider Oklahoma and not just the women's side, but the men's side of gymnastics. Granted, Maggie Nichols, the headliner name for that women's team, who by all means could, in my opinion, very easily be in the Olympics here pretty shortly. If we ever get to have the Olympics. If we get to have the Olympics, exactly. Well, we know we're not having it this year, but whatever. Hey, um, sports are coming back, Rich, and this can't be anything other than exciting. Major League Soccer, don't watch it. Do you watch Major League Soccer? Because you're a soccer I, fan. I do not. Okay. I, I do watch the World Cup when it comes yeah, around. Yeah, that's not Major and League I, Soccer. I'll watch, I know. I watch very, very little of the UEFA uh, Champions League mm-hmm. that occurs as well. But again, not having cable has has removed okay. a lot of those options Listen, from I'm, I'm, my life. I'm going to give you some life advice, okay? Um, because I'm not a big soccer fan. I'm really not. But you need to travel to... I go to Latin America. You know, uh, I, I talk about this too much according to the people who write reviews for our podcast. But I work mostly in Latin America, okay? You need to be in Latin America... When the World Cup is going on, right? It is incredible. Let, we don't even have to talk about the World Cup, but we no, can talk I, about qualifiers. No, I'm just going to listen. I'm I'm going to tell you, there is absolutely. I am a sports junkie, okay? But there is absolutely nothing in the United States that duplicates what takes place in Latin America when their country is playing in a World Cup game. There's nothing like it. Man, I'm going to take it one step further. 
and say, Let, let's just dip on down to South America, Argentina, Brazil. I've, I Columbia, wouldn't even, I wouldn't I was even go Col- to Europe. I was in Colombia two years ago. Was Germany? It 20, 20, was it 2018? Something right? that, like that. Uh-huh. 2018 was the last World Cup. I was in Colombia. And, man, I, they're, 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 we were up on a balcony looking out because there's just massive crowd of people. I'm talking thousands of people watching this game, not on a projected screen, but just on a TV that was like a, I don't know, like a 50 inch TV. And there's no way if you're in the back that you can see what's happening, but you can hear Hear it. it. And so we're watching this from the balcony and then Columbia wins and that mob went nuts. I believe they're, that. They're running in the street. They're taking their, uh, seriously, taking their shirts off. I believe that. It was incredible. But that's, it's like every game. I was in Panama for the very first time ever Panama made the World Cup. Panama was so bad, so bad in the World Cup. They were terrible, but they made it for the very first time. And same thing. Everybody was nuts. I'm just saying there's I'm not a soccer fan, but it is really cool. If you're looking for cultural experiences, find a country that not the United States, find a country in Latin America that qualifies for the World Cup and just go visit that country. You don't have to go to a game. Just go to visit that country on a game day. It again, there's nothing in the United States that compares to that. Sorry, I, I don't even know how we got down that road. Okay, Major League Soccer is coming back. NHL, here's here's what I really wanted to talk about. Um, NHL announces what it's going to do. They're going to cancel the remainder of the regular season. They're going to go to a 2014 playoff. I don't care about the NHL. But what I want to talk about is I would love to see the NBA do this. This, this is just, you take my money, please. If you put it on pay-per-view, yes. seriously, you put it on pay-per-view, I'm paying money to watch it. Yeah, you you're stream- crazy. How am I crazy? Uh, let, let me ask it from this vantage point. Are are you simply saying, take my money, I'll, I'll subscribe to anything you yes, put out on TV you put this, be- because it's sports or because it's basketball? It's a 24-team NBA playoff. Right, which, like... My my mindset on this whole thing is that that's a bad idea. How much do we love the Cinderella story in the NCAA tournament? That that I mean we look Here's, for no listen we look for Cinderella every March right we do and and teams are labeled with that before the tournament no tournament, you don't you don't tournament get, ever uh-uh, start uh-uh. yes no you they're don't saying get, these okay they're Matt, saying look, they could be Cinderella look, you you can't have a four five six seed and be labeled a Cinderella no but I'm so saying immediately we know they come from eleven twelve right 15. but you don't get Cinderella until you advance this into is, the Sweet this 16. is true this is true what I'm saying is a team like New Orleans Zion Williamson. The Pelicans, if, if they did 12 teams from the West, 12 teams from the East, and you see them one through 12, the way they are right now, New Orleans would play the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I, no interest, man. No I interest. love that matchup for New Orleans. I'm just saying people would be drawn to that. You could have a Cinderella in the NBA. Take my money. If you put on NBA TV, I'm paying. I'm watching. And you, you are the exact target for the NBA. What we can begin to discuss, and this isn't something that is profound or something that people are unaware of, but money is going to be the dictator in all of this. And as we begin to look at the possibility of the NBA opening up the playoffs to what I'm going to label as teams that don't deserve to be there, whereas those in the NCAA tournament do, that's that's the stark contrast here. When they begin to open the playoffs in the NBA to teams that don't necessarily deserve to be there, essentially what they're doing is they're opening the NBA market to cities that 
that wouldn't have otherwise participate in any way in the playoffs. Yeah, but see, you look, I, and I don't, I can't refute your "don't deserve to be there" argument. Other than to say, you're talking about markets who had the last third of their season taken away from them. And so, if you're, if, again, you're a New Orleans fan, you're a Sacramento fan, your team doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs, but they weren't terrible; they were decent, and you missed that final stretch. It, think about Portland, okay? Portland was three games, I think, three games out of the playoffs. You tell me Portland had zero chance to make a run, and now you're just going to start cold one through eight like you normally do and leave Portland out? What about Oklahoma City? If, if that game doesn't get canceled, if, Roby, if Rudy Gobert doesn't get COVID-19, doesn't test positive that night, Oklahoma City's probably beating Utah and going in as the number four seed as opposed to the number five seed. You're telling me Oklahoma City doesn't deserve a first round home court advantage? So all I'm saying is you got you, you take three teams out. We talk about the West a lot because that's where Oklahoma City is. And so you would take out Phoenix, you would take out Minnesota, and you would take out Golden State. Those are the teams in the West. You wouldn't play. But everybody else gets a chance to play at least a best of five series. So you're guaranteed as a Phoenix, excuse me, as a San Antonio Spurs fan, you're guaranteed to see Rudy Gay at least three more times. I don't know why I picked Rudy Gay as my <laughs> as my guy for the Greg Popovich. I mean, well, be, be your person. You're not gonna watch Greg Popovich play. I mean, you see, but what I'm you saying? wait for the comments. You see what I'm saying? You feel you feel the you feel the uh, the Riverwalk area one more time. I mean, th- these games are probably going to be played in somewhere out at Disney, an isolated area. But you're telling me as restaurants begin to open back up across the country, you don't think there's going to be people along that Riverwalk watching these games? You don't think the nightlife is going to pick up in these areas? Even Oklahoma City, if the Thunder aren't playing here, if they're playing in Orlando, Florida, I promise you that area down there. Shout out to our boys at Texadelphia. That place is going to be at, at their capacity with all their screens going on. This is nothing but a win-win for the NBA and for these communities, even if the team isn't playing in them. My my biggest issue, my biggest complaint, if we're willing to go down this road with expanding it to a 2014 playoff in the NBA, is that you would have more than half I know what you're going to say in response to this, but I'm going to throw it out there. You're going to have more than half of the teams basically below a 500 record. In fact, you're going to have some who who probably would have just barely eclipsed 30 wins in an 82-game season. Okay, They didn't play 82 games. Right, I get that. We're sitting right. at 60 to 65 roughly games played, but you're looking at teams that, that would have, had we played a complete season, would have been lucky to get 32 wins on the board. Okay, so let me tell you why that argument is not valid. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I know where you're going. Memphis, the number eight seed. If it starts right now, number eight seed, Memphis, what's their record? 32 and 33. They are below 500. By one. Okay, well then let's go to the East. Yeah, the East is terrible. Let's not even talk Orlando, about that. Orlando, they're but, five games. No, listen, Orlando's five games below 500. Brooklyn, Four games below 500. The, you're, the number you're making eight, my point. No, that's what I'm saying. But these are guys that are in the playoffs anyway. If it started right now, right. the seven and the eight seed in the East and the number eight seed in the West are already below 500. So that shouldn't disqualify you because they're already in the playoffs. That's what Man. I'm saying. 
it, that's a rough life. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm looking at teams that are, are below 500. And if we want to use even the, the March Madness, the NCAA tournament format, it's very hard to justify a team that's be- below 500 making the tournament. Granted, there are more teams to choose from from across the country, as well as multiple different conferences at varying levels of difficulty. Uh, that's not apples to apples. I get that. But at the same time, is it's hard for me to look at a team, and we're going to use the two that you've singled out, and the Brooklyn Nets and the Orlando Magic, and say, you know what, they, they've got a real good shot of advancing to the second round, because they don't. If Kevin Durant plays, they do. No, they don't. I mean, I'm thinking about thinking about that. Can I, and I don't know. I, I don't know the status of Kevin Durant. But if he was healthy after this layoff, could Kevin Durant come back and play? I mean, I, again, he may not be ready health-wise. He may not be. I, I look. It's just. It's one of those things. Just give me basketball, man. Give me sports. Right. And so back to my original question. I feel like you just answered it. Was you would purchase a pay-per-view yes. subscription? Yes. Simply because show it's me, sports. Show not me where to sign up. Because it's it's basketball. No, it's no. I would because again, I'm not going to watch the NHL. Right. I'm not going to watch Major League Soccer. But I would watch this. I would binge watch this the same way I watch. The NCAA tournament. I, this is March Madness in June or July for me. I now, sign me up, put me in front of a TV, give me some popcorn, and leave me alone. <laughs> Let's label this for for what it really is. It's genius marketing by the NBA to open up. If if it happens, it would be a genius move by the NBA because again, as I mentioned at the beginning of this argument, that. The NBA is all of a sudden opening up themselves. They're exposing the playoffs to markets that otherwise this season would have had no interest in the playoffs. And more specifically, those teams that were clamoring for a spot on Mm -hmm. that that bubble, that nine spot, that 10 spot with a legitimate shot of making the playoffs are now guaranteed that. So I get it from a marketing move. I get it from a money making standpoint, but from logic. It, it it doesn't seem like the best of ideas because I feel like we will have a lot of bad basketball after months off and no practices as a team. Which is why you need to do 12 teams and not just jump in with the 16-team format or the eight for each conference. And I would be cheering for seeds 9, 10, 11, and 12, except for in the West. I wouldn't cheer for Sacramento because oh, come on. they'd be playing my come Clippers. On. Hey, you know who else is coming back? That's uh, Lincoln Riley and the Oklahoma Sooners. There is a plan for football in the fall. I've got three phases. I think phase one and phase two are they're already done. We got to figure out phase three though. So let's talk about that. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, so let's talk about this. We are moving, and I think we're kind of picking up steam, uh, speed, whatever you want to say. We're moving towards football in the fall. And the format that we're used to, kicking off early in September and going through early December with championship games. Now, there's three phases that I think you have to take into consideration when you're looking at the plan to play football in the fall. Phase one has been resolved. 
That's when do you get these guys back on campus? We know now that date for Oklahoma is July 1st. Voluntary workouts. Now, those are voluntary workouts. And if you want to play football for Lincoln Riley, then you're going to volunteer to be there, right? <laughs> yeah, that's funny, though. Is it not? I mean, is that not true? I, I th- Listen, we talked about last week. Lincoln Riley has been so above board with this. I think he has handled everything in 100% the right way. But now, once, once he hits that date, hey, we push this back July 1st. We're getting you on campus. If you want to play, you better be here. I can't disagree with what you're saying, but I, I'm a little hesitant to say or use the exact words that if you want to play for Lincoln Riley and know that voluntary workouts are starting, that you better volunteer to be there because we don't, we don't have a full understanding of all the situations that are going and where these student athletes have been. But otherwise as a general statement, I I do agree. I I agree. You You know, grandma could be sick or you could have had it and need to be in a 14 day quarantine. I, I get that. But I'm just saying for, for Billy Bob, Joe, over there scared that he might get sick if he comes right. out of his closet. Okay, that's fine. Stay in your closet. And we're going to give your scholarship to somebody else. Right. That's what I'm saying. Um, so the players coming back on campus July 1st, plenty of time, plenty of time for Lincoln Riley. And he's already said this to, to get those guys ready to come back for the season, to start the season on time. If he had them by July 1st, plenty of time. It also means we get a little bit of fodder on Spencer Rattler versus Tanner Mordecai. We thought we maybe had lost this because we lost the spring. Well, we're going to get about a 31-day battle, I believe, between these two guys. And here's what's going to be interesting about this. Because these guys are dispersed all over the country, and they're 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 working out, and some of them are having fun. We, we've, we've published some of the TikTok videos at Heartland Sports uh, that some of these guys are doing. But you know what? July 1st, those guys better show up in shape. Because there's no fake in this. Once you get into that camp, once you get in those workouts, they're going to know who's been working out and who hasn't. I mean, and so the, I, I, what I'm wondering is how much of a wake-up call was this for some, some, a few guys who just been sitting on the couch eating Cheetos? You know what I'm saying? Because you know right. every team's going to have those guys. Mm-hmm. And those guys are about to be exposed big time. They've they've got basically 30 days to get ready to go and show up and be somewhat in shape. My, you know, my son played college football. And the very first thing you do when you get on campus is you do a physical attribute test. You have to pass that if you want to get into some of the team workouts. And if you don't pass that test, you don't get to go on the team workouts. You get to spend time with the strength and conditioning coach. You get to have Benny Wiley as your coach, as opposed to Lincoln Riley. (laughs) And so that, that I'm really interested to see how some of these guys show up in shape. I, I feel like most of them, 95% of them, are going to show up and be ready to go because this is a team that I, that I think is hungry. But th- phase number one, get the guys back on campus. Phase number two is you have to determine when you're going to start the season. Now, unfortunately, this doesn't get to be just a University of Oklahoma decision. This gets to be an NCAA decision. But something really important happened when – the NCAA kind of pushed back against California. When California came out and said, yeah, I don't think we're going to have games. We're going to not do sports. The NCAA pushed back about, you know, not using these words, but they were like, okay, well, if you want to just forfeit, (laughs) disqualify, whatever you want to do, Pac-12 can go on without the California teams. And the Pac-12 was like, yeah, 
we can. And then everyone else was like, well, no one cares about the Pac-12 anyway. That's, that's the rest of the nation. But the point is, I think we've determined when the season is going to start. And I think that's going to be the first weekend in September. I think that's, that's Labor Day is your target. No, well, it's not my target. That's the NCAA target. I, I think the season's going to start as normal September 5th or whatever it was. That that game, those games will take place. Have you seen the comments that are currently coming out from the University of Oklahoma specifically? Um, let me rephrase that. From the Big 12 specifically, not the University of Oklahoma. Okay, tell me what the Big 12 Bob, Bob Bowlesby has gone on record and they are preparing as if there will be a start date, as we've mentioned, here after Labor, Labor Day, first week of September. We know the Oklahoma Sooners schedule, obviously, is Missouri State. I know that there are some other factors that have to be determined, and it's not necessarily from Oklahoma's side because Missouri State has said uh, on at least one occasion that they don't know if they will have the opportunity to travel to be in Norman. Um, and so, there, like I said, there are a lot of factors that have to be worked out throughout this process as we head closer and closer, not only to the summer, but more importantly, the fall. What Bob Bowlesby has said is that they're preparing for the season. However, they're also expecting the worst and that they're expecting well, that's just there a to plan. be. Yeah, that's but, just planning. Go but ahead, they're I'm expecting sorry. there to be breakouts, health eh. concerns, and breakouts that would then force them to skip a portion of the schedule. I, I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah. Look, here's here's my official uh, here's my official unofficial unauthoritative take on this. Okay, once the season starts, it's not stopping. Now you may have to make you may have to make plans for a guy who gets sick to quarantine him and play without a particular player. But you got 85 guys on this roster. It would take 85 people getting sick to not have a team play. And I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure these guys are going to be tested regularly. And so the, minute you, the minute you have a fever, even if you don't have COVID, the minute you have a fever, you're going in isolation. The minute you cough, you're going in isolation. Right. You and, sneeze, you're going in isolation. The big concern for I hope me, you don't have allergies when you go to play football because you're going to be spending a lot of time in isolation. The big concern for me is, is not necessarily repeating the past two months, but we know that annually there is a flu season. What happens when we, we hit that flu season? Are we all of a sudden going to revert back to April and March of 2020? I don't think so. I really don't. I, I, I just we're, I, I don't think so. I, I really look. I, I've got no problems with Bob Bowlesby planning. I got no problems with that. And it's but, wise. But listen, Let's be honest. Yes, it's wise. Yes. But to start sports and then shut it back down would be detrimental. I mean, it, it's almost unrecoverable at that point what the financial impact would be. And as far as Missouri State goes, I, I can promise you this. Their athletic budget is pretty much based on coming to Norman on September 5th. So if Oklahoma is hosting games on September 5th, Missouri State's going to be there. They're going to put 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense. They're going to get beaten up, and then they're going to go home with a half a million dollar paycheck. Because that, that's the only reason they schedule those games. <laughs> it's true. And so I get what they're saying. We're preparing our budget. as Again, the same thing as planning. We're preparing our budget as if that we're not going to be able to go. That's just being smart. Mm-hmm. 
But I promise you, if, if OU gets players on campus July 1st and things run smoothly for the 31 days of July, and then you're able to start your camp in August, these boys are playing a football game on, on September 5th. That, that's just, I mean, that, that's that's what this is all building up to. Well, let's move move into the bigger question then. Right. Phase, on September fa- 5th. Phase 3. Exactly. On September 5th, will butts be in seats? A limited number. So, is it every other row? This, this you is, sell tickets to every other this, row at half capacity? Right, this, is the big, this is the biggest issue that has to be worked out. And, and here's the thing. If I'm the University of Oklahoma... Or I'm somewhere else. I'm Joe Schmo University. You, there's no way you're there's no way you're going to be able to do this and make everybody happy. But there's also no way you're going to be able to put eighty four thousand people in a stadium to watch a football game this fall. That's just not reasonable. So what do you do? How do you resolve this situation? Well, I think the first thing you do is you look at your season ticket holders, and I would guess that the the University of Oklahoma is somewhere between. The number that they're looking at is probably going to be somewhere between 35 and 45,000 people. Basically a spring game crowd. And and I think, you know, it's not every other row. I, I think if you know, we've got four season tickets, right? So we got our four because that's our family, and then you probably have three seats empty to your left, three seats empty to your right. Three seats empty in front of you, three seats empty behind you, so you can get that six feet. It's not going to be possible to pack the stadium. So how do you do it and you make it somewhat fair? And how do you do it to get the the the, the complaints down to a minimum? Because someone's going to complain. People are already complaining, and we don't even know what they're going to do. So here's my here's my take. Here here's my what as a season ticket holder, here's what I would be okay with. Do a lottery. Do it the same way you do it for the OU Texas game. And if you win, you get the season tickets. If you lose, you get to watch it on TV. But as a as a kind of consolation prize, whatever Oklahoma does pay-per-view, if you're a season ticket holder who lost the lottery, you get that pay-per-view free. It's a consolation, but still, it's going to save you 55 bucks or whatever it is on the pay-per-view. And all your friends and family, because we know you're not going to watch the game by yourself in a home. I'm just saying that, to me, that's... And and I don't... Look, I've heard people say, well, do it on a game-by-game basis. I'm not interested in that. I want to know if I'm going to the games or if I'm not going to the games. And I want to know up front. I want to know, how am I going to plan my season out? And I'm telling you right now, as a season ticket holder, I am okay if I don't get my tickets this year. If I know it ahead of time, I don't have my tickets, I'm okay with that. But what I don't want to do is try to figure out every week if I get to go to a game or not. So I want to know, how am I going to watch these games this year? And let me put my plan together. So tell me in August, you don't have to tell me right now, tell me in August, either I have tickets or I don't have tickets. Iowa State's already said they're going to do about 30,000 in their capacity. That's a typical Saturday afternoon in Stillwater anyway. So, I mean, look, I, I don't know how the University of Oklahoma is going to do it, but they're going to have to figure that out. But again, there's no zero chance. No way Oklahoma can pack that stadium. What would you rather have? Would you rather have, would you rather know 
ahead of time? You've got I, all the games, or would you I want would, it to be because it, on a game by game basis? No, game by game basis makes planning extremely difficult. And I know that the world of individuals and families does not revolve around a single sport or a single university. While wives may like to think that, <laughs> I think husbands would say, look, if we're going to go and plan to do something as a family, we're going to plan and we're going to work around and, and I'll figure out how to work the game into that plan through TV as you shake your head no, saying it just doesn't work that way. No, it. I mean, listen, my, my family— I thought you were disagreeing with no, me. No, my family—and my wife is more ardent than I am. My son got married last fall, and we made sure, including my wife— he found an off weekend for OU football to get married. And the wedding was planned and carried out on a weekend when OU didn't play. Right, but here's the only thing that I'm getting at here is it would be nice to plan instead of sit around and wait mm-hmm. and think you've hit the lottery because you get to go to said game one, three, six, however many it is out of the year right. that are home games. If you know and ahead of time, you actually have time to plan. Mm-hmm. You actually have time to to make arrangements. Um, I'm thinking about the people who have young children. All of a sudden, they're sitting there. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when, whenever that would be released. And they find out that they're lucky ticket holders. They've got the golden ticket. They're like, Charlie heading over to the chocolate factory here. <laughs> they walk through the gate. But what do they do with their their young kids who they don't have tickets for? You know, they, they've got a plan for that. And so the game-by-game basis doesn't necessarily make sense to me. That's why I would prefer, if it were me and I was in that situation, I would prefer to know well in advance so that I can make appropriate plans for such occasions. Well, listen, even if I find out in in August that I get Missouri State and Tennessee and that's all I get, I, I don't, I mean, I, I would rather, honestly, I'm telling you, I would rather not go than go to those two games. I want it to be all or nothing. Tell me in August. I get all of them or I get none of them. That, that's that's just my line in the sand. Um, now, as far as Oklahoma football goes in general, the over-under for the season has been set at 10. Where are you going with that, Rich? The over, the over or the under? Here's what's happened, Matt. Since I, I don't believe you've seen this list, but Sports Illustrated has released their Odds, if you will, and over under a gambling scenario. Needless to say, when we begin to look at what was released, they do have a hard line on the over under, which is set at 10 wins for the Oklahoma Sooners. Subsequently, the 10 wins does put them as the front runner to once again win the Big 12. But what it doesn't do is put them into the college football playoff, in my opinion. So my question for you, when we begin to look at Sports Illustrated, knowing that that hard line is set at 10, are you taking the over? 100%. I don't even have to think about it. I'm in the same boat. Because this is the team that that 10 win is the basement. I mean, if, right. you, if you go 10... 10, and, 10 is the expectation. Yeah, if you go... A minimum. Exactly. If you go 10 and 2 during the regular season and you're an Oklahoma fan, you're going to think, well, we had a, a new quarterback, still developing on defense, young receivers. That's very positive for 2021. If you go 9 and 3, there's a big, big difference between 10 and 2 and 9 and 3. It's a disappointment at Oklahoma if you don't win 10 games. I'm betting on I'm betting the over on that every time because I honestly think I, I look down through this schedule 
And I think this is a team that easily could win 11 games in the regular season. And then if you go to the Big 12 championship and you win that, that's a 12-1 and regular season before you even get to the bowl game or the playoff or whatever it is. And so if that 10 wins is just regular season, I'm over it. If that 10 wins includes a Big 12 championship game and a potential bowl game, then I am all over that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in the same boat. When I look at the the schedule, a lot of the the teams that give Oklahoma problems year after year after year just so happen to be coming to Norman. There's one, and this is minus neutral site games, but there's one on that list that does not fit that criteria. In fact, Oklahoma is going to be traveling to there. So here's what I'm going to do, Matt. I'm going to give a quick rundown of the list, the potential pitfalls, and you tell me if you agree or disagree. Okay. okay? So we're we're just going to take a quick look at the schedule. The first team that comes up on the list for Oklahoma as a real test, as a real challenge, is the Texas Longhorns, a game that is played in Dallas, Texas. Right now, Oklahoma is labeled as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that a potential pitfall? Is that a game that Oklahoma could could lose? Okay, so let me let me answer this by saying by saying this. Okay, Mike Yurcich has. Did you, did you see Mike Yurcich's no, comments? No. You know who Mike Yurcich is offensive coordinator for I Texas. Do. He said that the Longhorns need to they need to score forty five points per game this year in order to win the Big Twelve. What's he saying about the Texas defense if he feels like they need to win 45 points per game to win the Big 12? I don't know, but it seems a little bit off knowing the Longhorns are returning nine starters on the defensive side of the ball. Nine? Maybe they know what they Eight, have, well, and there's exactly. just not a lot of sometimes, confidence. Sometimes returning nine starters is a really good thing, and sometimes <laughs> returning nine starters is a really bad thing. But also, you look on the other side of the ball, Texas hasn't had a running back since Sam, since Sam Ellinger got to Austin. He's been their leading rusher. They had some really decent receivers last season. They're off in the NFL now. Do you know how many times Texas scored 45 points last season? 45 or more? Um, 13 wanna, games. you know how many times I they did it? I want to say three times. They did it. it. Happened against LSU, if I'm not mistaken. Happened against Oklahoma. No, eh, not even eh. close. Half of that. Man, I was I guessing. Mean, a little I was guessing that. on yeah. that one. Um, but I was going to say LSU for sure. Maybe... I, I don't it happened think... only twice in conference okay. play. I'll help okay. you out with that. Okay. It I... happened five times total. Okay. okay. A little bit more than I thought. Right. I'm but, it ha- three. but it happened twice in conference play against Texas Tech and more notably against Kansas, which they had to kick a field goal right. as time expired right. just to get to 45 points to beat the Jayhawks. That was a walk-off field goal. You, Dicker the kicker misses that thing, and they're losing to Kansas again. So I think I'm answering your question about Texas by saying Mike Yersich feels like they they got to score 45 points to beat Oklahoma. I don't see it happening. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't see this Texas offense. Sam Ellinger is still going to have his limitations. You got a freshman running back. You lost your, your top two receivers. And you got nine guys coming back from a defense that was atrocious. Yeah, they're not. I, I don't I don't worry about Texas. Long, long, way, long way about going. I, we won't spend this much time with each one of your potential pitfalls. Yep. But I've, I've just Texas got three. doesn't bother me. I've just got three here. Next up, we're looking at Iowa State coming in week seven for Oklahoma. You're looking at Oklahoma being listed as a six and a half point favorite at this point in time. 
Give me your thoughts. Okay, I got some thoughts on this because Iowa State, I feel, and I, I listen. If you've been if you've been paying attention to the Sooner Nation podcast, going back to our inception way back in the days when we were doing Crimson and Cream Machine, I've always been high on Iowa State in certain time periods. I'm high on on Iowa State coming into this season. I think the Big Twelve is broken down into into a few different categories. I think Oklahoma State, Texas, and Iowa State will battle it out to go to the Big 12 championship game to play Oklahoma. Beating Oklahoma in Norman would would go a long way for the Cyclones in that battle. And I will tell you that Iowa State, at this point, Iowa State bothers me a lot more than Texas does. The last one. Even though it's in Norman. The last one here on the list. Scared to death on the last one. This is by the current. On the last one. This is by the current spread, okay? It's not Oklahoma State, which I think oh you're, you're leaning yes. towards. Oklahoma, How can you not have Oklahoma State on this list? Look, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma in the Bedlam pairing in Norman, Oklahoma is a nine-point favorite. There's a game where there's a, a smaller Ooh. spread than that. Currently, things could change. Okay. Currently on the schedule. Are you going to say TCU? I am going to say TCU. Another road game yeah, for yeah. Oklahoma. Because I forgot where. But, mm-hmm. but Iowa State's in Norman, isn't it? No, Iowa State's on is the road. Is it in Ames? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I believe Iowa, yeah, State's, right. Iowa State's on the road. Oklahoma's six and a half point favorite there. I, f- I forgot TCU, we were doing road teams. TCU. I mean, you might as well throw West Virginia in there no, no, if no. you're going to no, go no, no, this no. I'm not just going. I'm going off of what SI has okay. put okay. here right. with the spread, and we're just looking at the three okay. lowest I have no numbers. fear of TCU. I'm going to say right now. TCU, Matt, TCU is a team that's given Oklahoma issues right. left and right. And they will be better even, than they were last year, but there's even, too many holes. Too many even holes. Even when they're outmatched. Mm. There have been so many close calls. I think about one time when Oklahoma was down there in Norman, it required a defensive pick in order to seal right. yeah, that. Well, you got Parker knocking the ball down. Exactly. You know, that wasn't interception. Yes, yes, the ball that's away. exactly what I'm talking about. Oklahoma is an eight-point favorite heading into TCU, which is one point ahead of the Oklahoma State period. Here's Matt's way early projections, okay? Oklahoma, cream of the crop in the Big 12. Second tier down, I've already said, it's going to be Oklahoma State, Texas, and Iowa State. And then that third crop down, that that group that they can maybe upset you, but they're not going to contend for the Big 12 championship, that group's going to include like TCU, Baylor, Kansas State, Texas Tech. And then you got your bottom barrel teams this coming season, which I believe are going to be West Virginia and Kansas. What I don't know about West Virginia is they could be in that that third tier. I just don't know what their quarterback play is going to right. look like. I don't TCU doesn't bother me. I'm just going to tell you right now, they okay. don't bother me. Okay, fair enough. Oklahoma State scares the dog crud out of me in Norman. Oklahoma State, and I do agree with you on your assessment. We look at what Oklahoma State has coming back, best running back possibly in the country, but for sure one of the better running backs in the conference, if not the best running back in conference returning. And I know that Oklahoma has a guy like Kennedy Brooks. Right. I know that Iowa State has an incredible kid who's just not experienced at this point in time. There is some good talent at the running back position, but it's extremely hard to ignore what Oklahoma State's going to do in the running game. You also have to look at the the potential or the progression, I should say, of Spencer Sanders at the quarterback yes. position. Very athletic kid who took some risks as a freshman. I don't know that he's going to take those same risks at, in his second year, but definitely a playmaker. And then, of course, at, at the receiver position, help me out with the name. 
Awesome, that's fantastic. Oklahoma State, <laughs> Tylen Wallace has yeah, Tylen well, Wallace has one of the best. All I could think of was James Washington, and he hasn't played in like five years you or four just, years. You totally just stared at me with a smile Justin, on your face. Justin Blackman. Tylen Wallace coming back as well. This is an offense that can hum along. They've got Harvey Peel on the defensive side of the ball, one of the, the better individual returning players anywhere in the country. You talk about a team that has has pieces to lean on, it's Oklahoma State. And they could very, very easily play the play the role of spoiler this year. Well, I don't think they'll play the role of spoiler. I think they will contend and be in the Big 12 championship game. I, I think we get two bedlams this year. I don't like I said, I look, I you know I don't like Texas. Okay. Anybody who listens to the Sooner Nation podcast knows I don't like Texas. But Texas isn't a good football team. Tom well, Herman's going to have a ton of heat on him this year. That is a team that perennially quits. They quit when they get – you punch Texas in the mouth, and they're, they're the bully who cries when he gets punched in the face. That is the University of Texas. Iowa State, I believe, will be more formidable this year. Oklahoma State is the second-best team in the Big 12. That game bothers me, but at least it's in Norman. And then you got to go to Dallas to beat them in the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State, I, I no bones about it to me, they are the second best team in the Big 12. Let me go ahead and give you the odds here. Uh, according to points, bet Oklahoma, negative 120 if you're making wagers for them to win the Big 12. The second team listed there is— That means you got to bet $120 to win 100. Win 100, exactly. The Texas Longhorns at number two, it's a plus 175. Then you've got Oklahoma State, who's a distant third, and you and I clearly disagreeing with that, at plus 600. How crazy is that? Yeah, listen, that means if you bet 100 on Oklahoma State and they win it, you get $600. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm not a gambler, but I would would consider (laughs) that. Oklahoma State, I, I believe, has a better chance than Texas. They get the Longhorns. In Stillwater, right? I mean, don't don't they get them? I'm I'm gonna look that up right now. Yeah, let's, I, let's I, Google that. Because wasn't it Tom Herman trying to fight Mike Gundy at the midfield like two years ago, right? Something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Texas Friday. Oh, dude, listen to this. Texas Friday, November 27th in Stillwater. Winner goes to the Big 12 championship. That game is gonna be fun. <laughs> I I uh, <laughs> I Mike Gundy. Somehow, some way, two or three games a year, he coaches his way out of a win. It happens. We saw it in Austin last year. Coached his way out of a win. We saw it in their bowl game against Texas A&M. Coached his way out of, out of a win. So it's going to happen two or three times. And hopefully it happens against Oklahoma and again in the Big 12 Championship because he does have a team that's loaded. The Oklahoma has a team that's loaded. Oklahoma, I do believe, will make a a bigger leap forward on defense than what Oklahoma State's going to do. Also, I believe Oklahoma is going to make a bigger leap forward with their offensive line than what Oklahoma State's going to do. And I, those are the two advantages that I would put Oklahoma over really anybody in the Big 12 right now. But Oklahoma State is dangerous. They are going to score points. Texas saying they need to score 45 points a game. You you watch. Mark it down now. May, May 28th. I'm telling you, Oklahoma State will eclipse 45 points or more, more often than Texas does this year. Can't argue with that. 
Hey, we got to jump into recruiting. We're going to start out with the dead period being extended to July 31st and what that means. And then we've got a couple of updates on some of Oklahoma's key recruits. Okay, the NCAA has extended the dead period for college football, actually for college recruiting in general, to July 31st. Now, what this means for the University of Oklahoma and colleges across the board is that this is in-person recruiting. So things like the Champion Barbecue that Oklahoma does every July, that's not going to happen now. But Oklahoma can continue to recruit. And they can continue to do what they're doing. And, and Oklahoma is winning when it comes to these virtual tours. You have not seen. I, I've got a website on my iPad that I'm showing Matt in this moment. Matt, have you have you seen this this website? No. Because I believe it very well could be Oklahoma's response to the NCAA news of recruiting basically having an in-person stop placed upon it until July 31st. There's a website if you ever want to go and check it out. It is only, then it's the number one, Oklahoma. So only one Oklahoma.com. And it's got all the different sports listed there, as well as the OU Jordan partnership. But I believe it's a tool that Oklahoma is going to use to do virtual recruiting, virtual tours of the facilities, etc. Well, these virtual tours that Oklahoma's doing are they're they're making a lot of inroads and they're and listen, Oklahoma is the best in the business right now when it comes to the, they they are ahead of the curve, ahead of the wave. Well, one of the things that we talk about with with our website with Heartland Sports is that when something breaks news-wise, we want to try to get ahead of the wave. We don't want to ride the wave, we certainly don't want to be behind the wave. We want to try to get ahead of that knowing that everyone's going to be talking about this. Oklahoma was ahead of the wave on these virtual tours and virtual recruiting. And this website that you're showing is really cool. Ridiculously good. And and think about what they do. What we're hearing back from the recruits is when a recruit jumps in and does this, it is catered specifically for them. It's not just a look at the facilities, which, by the way, um, you could go to this website that Rich just said, only one, the number one, Oklahoma. And you can – you as Joe Schmo can tour the Oklahoma football facility. But I'll tell you the craziest portion, because I did do a little bit of surfing on this website when I first read about it through social media. And you can physically, there are TVs placed all over the place. That's That shouldn't come as something that's unexpected, but you can physically go in and measure anything within these these virtual tours, if you will. So if I want to know how, how large that TV is, guess what I can do? That's right. I can go in and measure that sucker. How weird, how crazy is it that we have the capability of building things like that in, even though something so minor and it's more of a, a gimmick to me, more, I, I don't know how a recruit would use that, but for me, it's, it's a little bit of a gimmick, but I like it. But yeah, no doubt. And, and, like I'm saying, it's cool just as a fan. If if you're a fan of the team, a fan of the program, you want to go check that website out. But imagine being a recruit and not just having access to that, but having access to personalized information suited just for you as that recruit. There's a reason why you're seeing these recruits who have taken these virtual tours with the University of Oklahoma, and they're coming back on the other side going, that was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed that. And Oklahoma is doing nothing but winning and recruiting even during this dead period. Now, that doesn't replace actually having a guy on campus, 
but it's a pretty good second best thing. And, and again, Oklahoma's cornered the market in that, but what you want to look back to is what you want to look at is getting those guys back on campus. And I think what we're going to see out of this rich is we're going to see some guys begin to push back commitments. And we've already seen that from Christian Leary, right? You know, Christian Leary was, was set to announce July 6th. And now he's just going, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to announce when I'm ready. And and I, I respect him. This is a big decision. I don't think it indicates anything as far as where he's leaning. I know Alabama was in on him when we, we had a conversation about him last week where the, he actually got a crystal ball prediction for the Tide. But by the time we finished, even finished that conversation, news broke that another crystal ball came in for for him to come to Oklahoma. Right. I don't. I think what Emeka Egbuka does has a lot more to to play into what where Christian Leary decides to go to football than anything else. I can't disagree or discredit your statements, but what I can tell you is that on Twitter, an uh, individual had asked, what is your dream school? And then replied with, you know, mine is Oregon. Well, guess who jumped on there? None other than Christian Leary, who typed in a school that was not Oklahoma and that was not Alabama. It wasn't. Florida, it, it wasn't any of the schools that he currently holds an offer from. You want to guess where that was? Ohio State. No, not at all. It was the LSU Tigers. Could Christian Leary, you said there's not a whole lot to read into with pushing back that commitment date, but I'm on I'm on the opposite side of the fence. I'm saying has someone from the program from LSU reached out to Christian Leary, even though he doesn't hold an offer and put a thought into his head that has made him rethink his whole assessment of where he wanted to go. And now he's holding out for that scholarship offer to come through. Matt, I don't know. Like I said, I'm reading into it a whole lot. I get that, but I do believe that there's a reason, and, and I believe that there's a reason why you would push off your commitment because it says that you're not certain when you once were. Well, and it it could mean that, but it also could mean you want to go visit these places. And and I, I don't think Oklahoma puts pressure on recruits like some other schools do, where if you commit to us, you don't go in on any of the visits. I, I, Oklahoma's not that insecure to do that. But I do know, like, again, my son, when he was recruited, he found the place he wanted to go to. But I was like, dude, take these visits. Go enjoy. This only happens once in your life. And if you're if you're being recruited to go play college football at some university, that is a weekend that basically is catered and centered all around you. You never get that opportunity again. And so it, it could be as simple as, Leary wants to go make these visits and he wants to do it right. And I'm okay with that. It could be, but I'm going to throw one more wrench into your equation here. A guy that we have yet to mention, but is on our docket of names. It's J. Michael Sturdivant. Dude is, he is a good receiver. When you begin to look at the fact that Oklahoma has two commitments at the wide receiver position and all of a sudden you and I, we Matt, we've had a previous conversation about how, how many can Oklahoma take in this mm-hmm. class? How much room is available? I know that numbers, it's not exceptionally large at this point in time. And when we begin to add different names, different targets, different priorities at specific positions, Leary has been one of those, but Sturdivant is the most recent one. 
if the sources that we're looking at, specifically me looking at 247 Sports, if I can trust them, and I believe that I can, I I think they're starting to make Sturdivant more of a priority, and maybe that speaks volumes of what the word out of Leary's camp is. Well, first of all, Sturdivant is a stud of a receiver. He's a guy that we don't really talk about. And when we talk about Mario Williams and, and Mecca Ibuka, and we talk about Christian Leary, Sturdivant doesn't really get mentioned around in there. He's more of a big body guy, 6'2", 183 pounds. He is a a four-star wide, um, four-star recruit consensus on 24/7 Sports. I, I think I don't. I don't think though. I really don't think he would disqualify Christian Leary from coming. I really don't. I, I don't think he disqualifies him. Now but he did all, release what his final four or final six, and, yes. and Oklahoma was involved. Yes, in that. final four. And the other thing, when I'm saying that Sturdivant doesn't eliminate Leary from the equation. If Sturdivant does pick Oklahoma, all of a sudden <laughs> the margin or the window for committing gets just a little bit slimmer because if another receiver comes in there and makes that commit, Oklahoma's just not going to have enough room. I believe they'll take more wide receivers than what you had said previously. I think your number was four. Mine was just one more at five. So not that big of a difference. But again, when you're looking at the 2021 class, room is going to start running out pretty quickly. Yes, but you also have to consider, I think, the relationship with Caleb Williams. Because Leary was one of those original guys in there with Caleb Williams. And I don't I don't think that has been damaged. Dream school. LSU. I mean, look, there's there's lots of <laughs> Caleb Williams tweets Maryland stuff. He 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 tweets Yeah, but this is a school that hasn't even offered Christian Leary. Uh, look, I, you think he's just saying, hey, I want to be part of the gang. I think, I'm the only one in the the member of the hot dog gang who doesn't hold an offer from you. I think he's wanting to play the game is what I think he's wanting to do. I, I mean, look, you, these these guys, again, you don't understand what a recruiting weekend is like to go make an official visit at a university, particularly if you can do it in the fall during a game. And if those if that school thinks they have a chance at you, it's even better. And I I don't look. There's nothing right now. I, I look. I'm, I don't think Christian Lee is 100% locked in on OU. That's why you know. That's why he's not committed. But I don't think I've seen anything to this point that bothers me enough to think he's not he's not still committed or not still trending enough where I can feel confident about him going to Oklahoma. And, and that's a fair assessment. Speaking of Caleb Williams, though. Really nothing going this week on his blog, so we didn't even post anything about it. Caleb Williams, uh, but school is officially out for him. But having this dead period pushed back, I had said I thought that after the dead period, we would see um, within a month or so that we would see him make a commitment. I don't think that we're going to see that now either because of the same thing. He's not going to be able to get out and get about as much as he had previously hoped he would. Right. So, but Caleb Williams pretty silent. The biggest news I think for Oklahoma football recruiting this last week was David David Abardia, the the defensive end who had been committed to Notre Dame, suddenly gains a ton of traction. Where at they're thinking basically he's flipped from Notre Dame to the University of Oklahoma, and the the crystal ball predictions for him. I think when we posted this uh, last week on the twenty first. I think it was 50% Oklahoma, 20% for Notre Dame. And I think those percentages have grown even further 
for the University of Oklahoma. And if you look at Notre Dame message boards, they're pretty much saying that he's gone. 6'4", 248 uh, four-star recruits. This is a big-time get for Alex Grinch and the defense, Calvin Thibodeau being one of the primary recruiters there. This is the biggest story, in my opinion, for the University of Oklahoma this last week since we were last recorded our podcast. I went ahead and, and looked up the the numbers for you, Matt, the percentages. Where we're looking at for Oklahoma is now up to 87.5. Yeah, so I said 50% right. when we when we posted. So, yeah, that's, that's even better. Notre Dame went down 12.5%, but they've added these numbers, essentially a, a rating system, if you will, where the 12.5% has Notre Dame as a lock. And, and I get that really comes from he's already verbally committed there. He hasn't decommitted right. from Notre Dame at this point in time. But again, all signs are pointing to it's a major pickup, a major recruiting job by these defensive, mm-hmm. uh, the defensive staff that Oklahoma has currently in their possession, if you will. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that, that's, I think he's pretty much in the fold right now, so to speak. And then another big name that just broke today is four-star running back Prophet Brown. And that's that's huge news for the University of Oklahoma, because I think not only is he the type of guy that you like to see playing on your team, but he's the, that game changer type guy as well. And he if he you team him with the Wheaton kid and man, this is going to be a dangerous backfield with those two guys. I'm really interested. One. When we begin to look at Prophet Brown, he's an all-purpose back. Mm -hmm. He can do it all. He's rising basically meteorically through the rankings at that running back position as well as nationally. And it's I I honestly believe we when we begin to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners and we begin to look at what these programs, these major programs are prioritizing, it's speed. And that's something that that Prophet Brown has in spades. When we begin to look at a guy who's explosive, who can hit top speed almost instantaneously, that's someone that you go after because of how many roles they can fill on the field. He doesn't have to be used just as a running back. And we've seen that time and time again, I can go back and at least label Moses Madu as a speeder speedster, not speeder as a speed stir, who was used in more than just the running back or the rushing attack, the running back role, he was used as a return man. We can even even look at some of the other guys who are a little more recent, who have made jumps into the NFL at the running back position, who were used in the exact same fashion. That's what excites me about a guy like Prophet Brown. But I know that at such a young age, there, there are still things for them to work on. So don't expect a complete product coming in know that they're going to work as a senior to to eliminate some of their tendencies that aren't favorable or some of the um, weaknesses that they have in their specific skill sets yeah brown comes out of elk city california composite rankings 24 7 sports has him as the number 14 running back in the 2021 recruiting class so that for that cycle but also i talked about teaming him up with wheaton where he's the number one composite running back out of the in the 2021 cycle out of Garland, Texas. 
the, if, if Oklahoma lands these two guys, it's kind of what they were trying to go go last year right. when they you know when they lost was it Jason McClellan? They lost him. McClellan. McClellan uh, ended up committing. No, he committed no, yeah, to OU. So, yeah. Or excuse me, Alabama. Alabama. Seth McGowan is the one who Correct. comes. McClellan. Correct. And so it's almost what they're trying to get that duo that they missed out on in 2020. And this would be a pretty fantastic duo. Um, Wheaton is a, cons- a composite five-star recruit and Brown, a, a consensus four-star guy. This would be a, a really good tandem in that backfield for the University of Oklahoma to come in with Caleb Williams. And that's to me, that's the second biggest thing. And then and then you we talked about start event. Prince Colley and, and Damon David also released their kind of final four, final six, and that included the University of Oklahoma as well. So even though you've got a dead period, period, you're still seeing some really good trends for Oklahoma recruiting that I would think is going to only get better and explode once this dead period ends and you can start getting guys back on campus. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you, you're looking for guys who not aren't necessarily game breakers, but they're guys who bring a brand of football that you're trying to brand yourself as, which is where that Prince Collie fits in for me, a physical linebacker, something Oklahoma has been recruiting for quite some time, has been speed on the defensive side of the ball. We know that, but they've really lacked that that physicality, that ability to simply go in and make tackles when needed. That's not everyone across the board, but we've seen that time and time again in different instances. I'm hoping <laughs> with Alex Grinch on board and on campus running the show on the defense that that begins to change and we begin to see that physical brand, specifically from the front seven, return to the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, a number six player from the state of Tennessee. We're talking about Prince Cully, um, and the number 16 ranked outside linebacker for that 2021 cycle. He released his top 10 which uh, obviously included the University of Oklahoma. That's going to wrap it up for us. Thanks again for uh, for being here with us. You can we've got video and we've got information about these recruits. Heartland-Sports.com is where you can find our website. He's Rich and Matt again. Thanks a lot for tuning in and have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>